Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Businesses of all sizes have been affected by COVID-19. In response to this, Postmedia Solutions has created a five-step guide aimed to help you adapt your business during this global crisis. To get this free guide, visit postmediasolutions.com adapt. Demand for vehicles has slowed to a crawl due to stay-at-home orders during the pandemic. While drivers probably don't miss being stuck in bumper-to-bumper traffic on their morning commutes, car dealerships certainly miss people buying vehicles off the lot. I'm Emily Jackson, and you're listening to Down to Business. This week, we're joined by Honda Canada's new Chief Executive Officer, Jean-Marc Leclerc, who officially took the driver's seat in the top job last week. Honda Canada employs about 19,000 people across the country between its dealerships and its assembly plant in Ontario, where about 4,000 employees build Civics and CRVs. Manufacturing ground to a halt due to COVID-19, but Honda is planning to slowly resume activity next week. Jean-Marc and I discuss the pandemic's short and long-term impacts on the auto industry, global supply chains, and what he expects the recovery to look like for the auto sector. This is a remarkable time to become a CEO of a car company. Um, Canadian auto sales fell 75% in April, according to recent reports. It's pretty uncharted territory. What's been your reaction to this drop to this pandemic so far? Well, the fact that I'm starting as CEO, the sales can only go up. So that's the positive news. <laughs> but but clearly, uh, 75% is a historical situation, obviously. And, you know, I'm sure this is a story we're going to tell our kids and grandkids in the future. But I'm, I'm hopeful the story will also be about how we're going to rebound from this. Clearly, right now, uh, a lot of things are being done to protect the population, protect the community. And that's understandable. And in fact, you know, in our conversations with the government, we did ask them to take a more stringent approach early on in order not to prolong this. Because as you can well imagine, the, you know, the chain of reaction from not selling a vehicle to the impact of manufacturing and the supply chain is obviously significant. So this is something that we need to rectify and in the process of rectifying as governments now are, again, um, allowing businesses to open slowly. Now, how has the pandemic affected Honda Canada specifically? I know you have a manufacturing footprint in Canada. You also have dealerships across the country. Can you walk us through some of the impacts? Well, I can tell you, uh, well, the simple answer for our people at our campus, at our head office, we were lucky uh, in the sense that everybody can work from home and is equipped to work from home and that the technology has not let us down. It actually has worked very well for us from that perspective in terms of supporting our customers, supporting our dealers. From a manufacturing perspective, obviously, if we're not selling, uh, we needed to uh, shut down the manufacturing uh, for uh, the last three weeks. We are getting back on track May 11th, but it's going to be a slow, gradual start because sales need to start to happen in order for, you know, to continue to fill the pipeline, if you will, out there. So the associates have not been working in uh, the manufacturing plant in Allison, uh, Ontario, really across North America. Again, that's going to change next week. So we're happy to hear that. 
and obviously our, our dealerships, you know, depending on the region and, and the stance that governments uh, took relative to the auto business, you know, the most severe uh, was Ontario, Quebec. I would say Quebec even more so because originally they did not allow service to happen in the dealership. So the dealerships were shut down and it's only recently that they, uh, they've opened both service and now sales outside of the region of, of Montreal. But the impact from the dealers, obviously, is, you know, they need to protect their employees, they need to protect their, their clients, some of their clients still want to have essential services done to their cars, so they need to find that balance. And all the while, they need to protect their business. So obviously, they've taken measures to ensure that they find the, the right balance between these three things. It's one of those things that when I think about going into a car dealership going forward, it, it's such a physical experience. You know, I'm wondering, what does this mean for things like test drives going forward? How is that going to look in the future? Yeah, test drives have been, you know, one of the contentious issues, even as, for example, the government of Ontario sort of allowed online selling, but dealers were still uh, continuing, you know, with test drives and that was shut down very quickly because the reality in a vehicle, if you have somebody with you, you cannot observe, you know, a a six uh, feet or or two meter social distancing rule. That's all being worked out because that we believe is is essential. People do want to test drive the vehicles they're going to buy. It's a large ticket item, obviously, and we believe that's important. So it's like anything else. Uh, The protocols, uh, will need to be put in place, and that's being worked through with OMBIC in Ontario and other uh, governing bodies that oversee automotive sales. What are some of your short-term business projections for Honda Canada and, I guess, the auto industry as a whole, given these travel restrictions and work-from-home measures that have really stopped people from moving around as much as they typically would? Well, you know, in, in our particular case, uh, when we look about our associates, you know, with Honda Canada looking after servicing our dealers and helping our dealers, you know, we, we don't see that that's going to affect things greatly. I can tell you that uh, the rebounding from this will be very gradual, of course. I'll tell you that last week, we didn't know, for example, where certain governments were going to lean in terms of even, you know, partially opening the business. We're, we're a lot more hopeful, but it really doesn't matter. We believe it's going to be gradual. Uh, we believe it's going to be measured. And it's going to take some time for people to feel comfortable going into a dealership to conduct business. But I can tell you that uh, all the governing bodies representing manufacturing, supply chain, dealerships have worked very hard to develop protocols, safety protocols, social distancing protocols to ensure governments are comfortable opening that door to get back to business. Obviously, the execution of that is going to take a little bit of time, you know, test trials uh, of, of using this particular strategy versus others. But a combination, obviously, of, of that and social distancing measures will certainly cause the business to rebound slowly over time. What about for the long term? How do you view demand for autos in the long term? You know, we have seen a stop in commuting right now as people are working from home. So perhaps they don't need to buy a car as quickly. But then on the other hand, you might have people saying, I'm not getting on the subway for a long time and rushing to the dealership as soon as they can. I'm wondering, what are you thinking about when it comes to longer term demand impacts from the pandemic? Well, I, I can tell you, I was on a, uh, a webinar with uh, automotive groups from China a few weeks ago, and they were talking about their experience getting back to business because, of course, their issue started a lot earlier, and uh, they're now just getting back to business. But they were talking about people's sentiments 
as you said, about using public transit and that they saw the demand certainly early on after businesses were allowed to open spiked as a result of that. And that was a little bit of the mentality. I'm not sure if this is going to be the situation here. I mean, there's a lot of dynamics at play. People's, you know, ability, financial ability to buy another vehicle, uh, employment situations, uh, obviously will vary from person to person. All these things play into, you know, how quickly things will, um, demand will get back to what we call normal. Personally, I believe it will take some time. And I, I think the trigger in my view is that when all levels of government say unequivocally that, yes, it's safe to go to uh, this particular business or that particular business, that's going to be the trigger that will, I think, uh, in people's minds, this is back to normal. I can follow my usual you know, shopping patterns or purchase patterns. So it will need that sort of across the board endorsement on the government level. What about on the supply side? You know, the auto sector from a manufacturing standpoint has relied a lot on just-in-time manufacturing. Supply chains are very global, but there could be some barriers to that going forward. We've seen some increase in protectionism. We've seen some challenges moving goods across borders. What do you think the pandemic will mean for that part of the business? You know, I believe, I, I said to one of my colleagues recently, there's nothing uh, like a crisis to get people to reconsider positions. When you understand the impact, for example, of protectionism on, on business. Listen, first off, in terms of, you know, supply chain management, there's no doubt after this is all done, the first thing businesses are going to do is reflect on what happened and determining ways to mitigate that risk moving forward. And that can take many different forms. It could be duplication of source. It could be location of suppliers, because what are, what are the complications here is uh, even in certain states in the United States where we have suppliers, some of the governments have taken more stringent stances on essential services that didn't include automotive. So if, even if you have a desire to start manufacturing, you really need to look at the realities of your suppliers and where they're located. And, and again, those government mandates uh, that, that exist in those markets. So no doubt there's going to be a you know, reflection on this and perhaps some changes to ensure that you know, that risk is certainly not eliminated. It's difficult to eliminate it, but certainly mitigated in the future. Right. It sounds like you're thinking about building more redundancy into the system. Yeah, it could be. Uh, and But redundancy is costly also. So you want to do it for the right reasons. You know, there are obviously critical parts that go into the manufacturing of vehicles. Uh, I remember uh, in the, with the tsunami in Japan, one of the one of the key parts to build a Civic, small part, I can't remember which one it was specifically, but it, it meant that we couldn't produce the car, we couldn't release the production. So these types of situations obviously you know, have a huge financial impact on the company. And, and again, decisions would be motivated by these types of things. So with all this pandemic mayhem, one thing that we've kind of lost in the shuffle is discussions of the new NAFTA that has come into effect. I'm wondering if you can address some of those changes and how Honda has prepared for them and whether you think it's a better deal for the North American auto industry, pandemic aside. Well, I, I think we're just happy that there is a deal. And really, my priority in Canada is to protect Canadian manufacturing. I mean, our plant analysis produces uh, the Civic and CRV, which represents 60% of what we sell in Canada. But we do export 70% of uh, those uh, products. They're equally as popular in the U.S. as they are in Canada. 
So we want to protect that base. That's a massive investment, huge economic impact uh, in the Canadian uh, economy. And of course, the rules of origin is something that needs to be managed moving forward in terms of those critical or what we call core parts. And again, I'm not familiar specifically uh, with, uh, with what they are, but all I can tell you is that we have teams that have looked at ways to, uh, to comply and again, keep our plant in Allison functioning for a long period of time to come. Do you think the pandemic and the increased protectionist sentiments could have an effect on something like NAFTA and freer trade moving forward? Uh, again, I, I believe that good business sense will prevail overall. I know there's been uh, some pushback on both sides of the borders, frankly, because there's an established supply chain. And a supply chain takes a very long time to, to shift. It's like a massive boat and it doesn't move very quickly, and, and, and you can also do so over a long period of time. So, you know, it, it's really hard to say where this is going to go, and it also depends on the government you have in place. Right now, in the United States, it seems that uh, there's one that they uh, has more protectionist views. Perhaps a different government will have a, a more open view uh, on the business trade, and I believe this is the way that it should be, personally. It's worked well for us uh, in North America for many years, and you know it needs to continue. Back to the pandemic, when we're thinking about governments and their reactions, what do you think of the government response so far in Canada, particularly? And is there any sense that the government should be doing more for the auto industry in particular? Yeah, I, I think the response of the government, uh, in my view, has been very good. They were quick to identify, uh, obviously, vulnerabilities of companies, of the economy, uh, and they addressed it. The wage subsidy was the one was one that comes to mind that was absolutely necessary because, you know, if businesses felt that they had to lay off people, put them on unemployment insurance, again, it would have just amplified the situation we're living right now. So I think that was a good move on their part. Now they're looking at different areas or different aspects of the economy of business that they may not have thought of, you know, at first. And again, and this is through consultation with, you know, with business, with organizations that are representing businesses in different industries. So I think it's been, uh, I think it's been very good. In terms of what they need to do to support the auto industry, well, they need to stimulate sales. Uh, and do whatever they can to get business moving again. As I said earlier, if we're not selling anything, our manufacturing plants can't produce our, you know, of course, the supply chain or the ripple effect impacts a lot of companies. So that needs to be the number one priority, in my view. And that can take different forms, either, you know, a GST holiday for a certain number of months to kickstart. A scrappage program is another thing that the industry has asked the government to consider get some of the older vehicles or incent them to get on the road to buy either a new vehicle or even one of a uh, more recent vintage. So we think that's a positive step that the government can take to get things back on track. Is Hauntum taking advantage of the wage subsidy program? Yes, we are, because uh, we uh, think that was the best approach versus, again, laying off associates. We really wanted to protect our associates, and that would allow us, obviously, when the door opens for business, that we can hit the ground running. 
So, uh, so yes, we did take advantage uh, of that because, uh, you know, not recognizing revenue for extended periods of time is, uh, you know, puts a tremendous amount of financial stress on an organization. So, uh, as I said, that particular program for the government, I think, was critical uh, to us and to other companies and other industries to um, sustain our business. Certainly, there's been uptake across the board. When do you anticipate more full return to whatever normal is going to look like? I know this is a bit of a crystal ball question, but what are you planning for at Honda? Well, listen, we talk about that every day, and we're being asked by my boss when that will happen to certainly look into my crystal ball and figure that out. I think it's going to take at least a year for us to to get back to some, some form of normalcy, if you will. Obviously, we're going through a period this year that would be our best-selling period in the spring. Obviously, I don't know how that's going to impact people's behavior moving forward. But you know, I think realistically, it, it would take the better part of the year to, uh, to get things back to normal, in my view. And, and, and I'm hopeful that this is going to happen. And then last question, anything that Canada can learn from Japan, which did open earlier where Honda does have its headquarters, are there any lessons you're taking away from their experience? Well, listen, I, I'm really not familiar with what's happened in Japan other than I visited quite often in the past. But the only thing I can tell you with the Japanese culture, and, and maybe this is one of the reasons they, you know, they open business up a little earlier, is it's a very disciplined culture from the standpoint when there's a directive from authority, you're not going to find too many Japanese venturing off and challenging the authority. I think in Canada, the U.S., we're a little bit more free-spirited. <laughs> in terms of uh, these things. So I, it's easy for me to see, having visited, uh, visited the country several times, of how they were able to flatten the curve perhaps more quickly just by people simply observing the rules that were out there from the health authority and government. I can't speak to getting back to business. I mean, they have a different model there, but I, I, I can also tell you that from a conducting business, there's an equal, I would say, a sense of discipline in the way they do things. So it's really a cultural issue that I think is probably causing them to have opened the business as soon as they did. Which makes a lot of sense. You know, it's it's been fascinating to see how different countries respond around the world. Jean-Marc, thank you so much for making the time this morning. I really appreciate it. Thanks, Emily. That was Jean-Marc Leclerc, CEO of Honda Canada. Thank you so much for listening to Down to Business and thank you to our team. Music and production by Bryce Hall, editing by Yadula Hussain and web support by Pamela Heaven. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with a friend and rate us on your podcast app. I'm Emily Jackson and until next week, you can get all your business news at financialpost.com.